Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the November Dremio webinar about building an iceberg lighthouse. My name is Mark, and I'm here with Vinesh Thomas from Dremio, and we really appreciate the time you've taken to join us today to learn a little bit about Iceberg and Dremio's unique support for the great things that Iceberg can do. I'm told it takes a couple of seconds for everybody to get connected to the room and to get audio established. And so while those administrative things are happening, I'm gonna break out of the slides and show you a couple of things that may be important for your participation in today's webinar. The first is that I'd like to make you aware that in case you haven't already gone to the Dremio webpage to get a test environment for Dremio, you can get a free environment that will allow you to work through the steps of the webinar on your own and to demonstrate for your own enjoyment how great it can be to work with Iceberg and Dremio. Go to the dremio.com page as I'm showing here and then hit this button for free Lakehouse and you'll be given the opportunity to start a test drive over here on the right. When you do that, after providing a couple of uh, bits of information about your name and whatnot, you'll have a free Dremio environment that you can use for 24 hours in Dremio Cloud. You don't have to do anything other than to start using the sample data sets that we've provided and to start running Iceberg queries. We'll show you how to do that in today's webinar, and so you'll be fully equipped after today, if you haven't already done so, to get your environment and get started. Today's webinar focuses quite a bit on Iceberg and on a unique Dremio feature called NESI, which is the integration of a catalog for Iceberg datasets. And so as we get into the slides, I'll tell you a little bit more about that, but there's a couple of web pages that you may want to check out before that time. If you haven't had the opportunity before to learn a little bit about Apache Iceberg, I'm showing here the open source Apache Iceberg webpage very easily named or found with Google, iceberg.apache.org. And this is your first stop to learn about all things I find that there's an impressive collection of features that make Iceberg overwhelmingly the popular choice for table formats in the modern lake house. You'll find that there's so many terrific features in Iceberg, hidden partitioning and partition evolution and expressive SQL. And this is the first place that you can go. And then after that, I'll show you some other Dremio documentation and best practice guides and whatnot where you can learn a lot more. The second source that we'll talk about a bit today is Dremio's unique support for Project Nessie, which is an open source transactional catalog for data lakes. And Project Nessie is the preferred choice from Dremio because it provides unique transactional support for iceberg tables including transaction semantics for multiple tables in a single transaction. Very, very unique among Apache Iceberg vendors because you can actually have a multiple number of tables in a single transaction. And this is an open source catalog product, which means that you can integrate it uh, with Dremio and with other data lake engines such as Spark or whatnot in order to take advantage of what Iceberg is intended to do, which is to provide an open data lake for your future use. So some really neat resources for your use there. Just wanted to highlight those. Hopefully at this point, everybody's been connected and you can see my screen and, and hear my voice. I mentioned earlier that I'm here with Vinesh Thomas who's driving the question and answers during this seminar. You can submit a question at any point through the chat line and we'd love to take your questions as we go. So if at any time you have a question, please don't hesitate to 
type it into the screen. And at some point, Vinesh may interrupt with an interesting question that he wants to share with everyone or he'll answer it interactively. During today's seminar, what we want to do is learn a little bit more about Apache Iceberg. I've mentioned before that this is the overwhelmingly best choice for creating a modern data lake as demonstrated by the number of other vendors and customers that you can see here who are leading developers or users of Apache Iceberg. Apache being the predominant uh, open source provider means that Iceberg is completely open and governed by an open source community that consists of vendors and users, as you can see here. Apache Iceberg provides support for uh, features that are normally only affiliated with a, with, with, a, with a transactional database. You can do inserts, updates, and deletes on Iceberg tables as though they were, they were traditionally in a database or a data warehouse. And the beauty of that is that they're in open source storage, like in your bucket. And so the storage mechanism is very common, very affordable, as you know, because S3 storage or other day like storage is very, very affordable and inexpensive. And yet through that common storage, you have the ability to do very sophisticated things that normally a data warehouse or data database was required to do. That includes things like time travel and rollback, keeping track of snapshots in the past, being able to look back and see what your data consisted of in the past. And so amazing number of things from Iceberg that we're briefly gonna touch on today. And um, hopefully it um, creates an ongoing conversation that we can have in the future about other things that Apache can do. What we're gonna do today is give you a quick overview of Dremio as an open source query lake data engine. And then we're gonna create an iceberg table. We're gonna update the table without impacting production because we're going to use a Nessie catalog to create something in our table called a branch. Branches are a mechanism that's very well understood by a lot of folks, especially people who use Git, but there are still a lot of people for whom a branch might be a new concept. And if you've uh, not used Git before or another kind of uh, source control product, you uh, may find that this is your first exposure to a branch and that's okay. Imagine a branch is a series of changes that you make on your table and each one of them are connected in a diagram so that you have a natural progression of the versions in your table and those versions linked together in a catalog uh, are what you can mentally think of as a branch. Now, at some point in time, you may want to test or uh, experiment with some changes in your data set that you're not ready to make available to everyone who uses the data set. Let's suppose you have a special project to see what the effect would be of changing some of the data in a certain way you don't want to expose all of your users to that change because this is an experimental change that you want to verify. And so the way you would do that in the system is to create a branch, which is nothing more than a pointer to the version at which we're going to deviate and create another, an, a, another set of changes. We don't have to copy. We don't have to duplicate data storage. We don't have to do many of the things associated with a typical warehouse. We're simply going to put a pointer and then we're going to indicate that we want to branch from that point so that the next version we create is going to be 
on a designated branch and not available for the general populace who's using the production code, uh, production data. We're gonna thoroughly test the changes on the branch. And when we're satisfied, we're gonna go through an operation called a merge, which is going to make all the changes that we've made on the branch available then for the general population. And we will have done that in a few minutes work without exposing anybody to stuff we didn't want and without going through a lot of arduous steps. So we think branches are pretty terrific. And hopefully at the end of this, we will be able to show you a little bit about some of the great things they can do. Then we're gonna use a very unique Dremio feature called Reflections, which is going to create an accelerated version of your data set for copying. And a, a, a reflection you can think of as a materialized view, if you're familiar with that concept. It's a optimized version of your data that is ready to serve queries in the optimal way. Let's suppose that you have a very complex join in your query. What we're going to do in the reflection is pre-compute the join and save it so that we don't have to do this join over and over. If you perform aggregations in your query, you want to do a group by or a sum or um, a count or you know, any of the things that you would normally do with a group. Let's say you want to do a complicated window function. We're going to save that in the reflection. So again, we don't have to recompute this every time the query runs. And therefore, your dashboards are going to be tremendously accelerated because they're simply going to read the result from the materialized view the reflection, and Dremio is going to take care of all the work in the background to create the materialized view and to maintain it. Your users won't even know the difference because they'll simply run the dashboard, and the query will be accelerated because, wow, all this work has been taken away, and all we have to do is read the result. So we'll show you a little bit about a what a reflection is and um, take your questions, and, and we'll be done for today. This is a slide we'll look at at the end. Again, I welcome your questions. So let's switch from the slides over to the um, Dremio environment that I've set up for today's webinar. Your Dremio environment, when you get it from dremio.com, will look exactly like this. And if you've never seen Dremio before, it's worth spending a minute just to introduce you to what you're looking at on the screen. The first thing that's really notable about the Dremio user interface is that it's a web-based user interface. And I've actually got it integrated here with a bunch of other tabs that you can see here in my browser, which is the way I love to work. And I actually have two tabs that are looking at my same Dremio environment. Notice I've got one here and I've got one here. That becomes so convenient because there are going to be times when you're working with a multiple number of data sets and queries you don't have to be restricted to one window and you don't have to try to remember what that was before. You've got a multiple number of avenues here in order to keep parallel work streams going and to connect them in, in whatever way makes sense to you when you're working. So we've got a couple of tabs open. I'll go back to my first one here. And you'll see that on the main Dremio screen, if we start on the left, we'll have a data panel that will show us what kind of data we have available within Dremio. And then even further left, we have a black uh, kind of um, um, menu bar in, in, in which we're gonna see a multiple number of different features. In the main data set panel, we're going to see our catalog for the project, which I've called workshop creatively. And I have created a folder in my catalog. And in this folder, I have already created a version of what we're going to create in today's webinar. If I go into the test folder, you'll see here that I have created an iceberg data set uh, that's a table, 
When I hover over it, I get the detail view. Very, very convenient. And I've created a view. Dremio supports both tables and views. Tables, of course, contain your raw data. And so this is where the iceberg functionality um, is most closely associated. A view is going to be a sequence of, uh, a, a, it is going to be a SQL command in which we uh, don't really store data, but we can process data in a stored SQL expression that can contain any amount of data curation or joining or uh, other SQL semantics that we want to include. And because you can imagine that I could have a multiple number of views here, you can see that I can create what Dremio calls a semantic layer. I can create building blocks of tables and views that work together to create the ultimate output that I'm looking for. Let's suppose I have a dashboard. The dashboard has 50 or 100 queries in it. I could directly query tables from my dashboard. But my suspicion is that if your dashboard is like most, you're going to want to create building blocks of views because those views will have intermediate steps that can be shared among your various queries. In the first step, you may want to clean data. In the second step, you may want to join and isolate data associated with business logic. And then in your third step, you may want to aggregate data. So by approaching it in this kind of stair-step fashion, you create a design that's much more maintainable much more easy to follow. As you can see here, I've only got one table and one view, but after I add a multiple number of tables and views, I would have a very, very logical structure that's very easy to maintain. And when you go to the Dremio webpage, you'll see something called the Dremio semantic layer, which is the way you can put your own data into a structure that makes sense to you that will be more maintainable for the future. Then we go down here on the left, you'll notice that we have a variety of data sources that we've integrated into this Dremio. Dremio is a unique product because it does not take your data. You don't put data into Dremio in the typical fashion that you would another data warehouse or even a database. Dremio operates on your data lake and on your data lake sources. What I've done here as an illustration is I've integrated an AWS bucket that happens to be a bucket that I've provided. And if I click here on settings, you can see here that Dremio has provided a multiple number of steps, which I previously configured for how I want Dremio to connect to this bucket. What credentials should it use? What directory should it use to get into the bucket? So I have control. It's my bucket. And the data hasn't gone anywhere outside my bucket. I've simply given Dremio the permission to query my data in queries that I submit here, but I remain in control. And that's the great thing about Dremio is a data lake product because you don't ingest data. You give Dremio the opportunity to use data that you've previously set up. Then we've got a sample data source, which we're going to use in today's uh, exercises. And so that's the uh, simple environment that we've created here within Dremio. And then in the black control bar, I have my data panel. The second button down is called the SQL runner, and it's where I'm going to express queries. Dremio is a standard SQL query engine. So I'm going to say select star or something of that nature. And I'm going to see the various results of my queries down here in the bottom panel. We'll go through an exercise in just a minute. But what an intuitive interface. I mean, it's very easy to put in queries. You see results right here. 
Now, and the next tab, we have a job result page. I'm going to go ahead and leave that. I have a partial query there, but that's okay. We'll come back to that. In the job page, we see all the jobs and uh, queries that we have submitted in Dremio in a very graphic and well-organized fashion. So I've got a job ID, the user who ran the query, what data sets were, et cetera, of that nature. And here on the gear are settings associated with my Dremio environment. There's a couple of things here that you're going to want to be aware of, because if you were the administrator of this environment, you would have previously configured engines. Engines are where your query execution takes place. It's what does the heavy lifting here as far as the computation of the logic in your query. And because Dremio environments can vary in size, you may have engines that are either very small or very large, and you may have just a couple of engines or you may have a bunch. Here, I just have two engines that are relatively small. We have a small workload here in this workshop. But if we were a larger environment, we may have a multiple number of engines of a significantly larger size that are made up of many, many um, executors or AWS instances working together. You get to control all that and configure it according to the demands of your workload. Once you get a multiple number of engines, you're going to need to route queries between engines. You do that here on an engine routing tab. You can very logically see that if I have a query that's a UI preview or a reflection, I can indicate a rule that will send it to a certain engine. Look at that over on the right. I'm sending those to a preview engine or to a workshop engine. If I had a multiple number of engines, I would take various query types and send them to various engines. And if I want to modify these rules, I simply drag and drop to their appropriate priority. Now, the last thing we'll do today is look at reflections. I've created one reflection here. You may remember a reflection is a, like a materialized view. It's an optimized Dremio managed version of data that makes queries many, many orders of magnitude faster in many cases. And so I've got just one reflection here that I created beforehand. We'll create another so that you can see exactly how this works. All right, so that's a little bit of our introduction to the Dremio environment. I've already mentioned that what we're gonna to do today is create a folder that has an iceberg table and a view. So let's get to that. We're gonna to go to the SQL runner and then notice that we have a feature here called scripts, which allow us to store and share with other people scripts of SQL commands that are important series of events that we may do on a regular basis in our environment. I have created here a script called November script, which is the exact series of things that we're gonna do today. And what makes it amazingly easy is that the uh, Dremio SQL runner honors highlighting. So we're gonna do this in a step-by-step -step fashion. I'm gonna highlight a certain step, and then we're going to hit the run button and we're gonna do only that step. So in step one, the first thing we wanna do is create a folder. I'm going to do it in my default catalog here. The default catalog is called workshop. And so let's highlight this step and run it. When Dremio runs the step, notice it provides some output here at the bottom that says my query RAM. The folder has been created. Now, a second ago, I made a, I made a point out of the fact that you can use multiple tabs in your Dremio environment. And so here's where that's gonna come into play. And it's gonna be so handy because we're gonna go to the next tab 
And we're going to refresh it here. And what we're going to see is that, which is the folder we just created. The test folder is what I created before our webinar started in order to show you what we're going to be doing today. So we have a new folder, exactly like what we asked for create table command. This should look suspiciously similar to create table commands that you've probably put into a variety of databases and data warehouse products. I mean, you know, create table commands are not new. And the great thing about this is this looks like what we would expect. I mean, it's SQL. It looks exactly like what we would uh, expect to have for any kind of a data query engine or data product of any kind. We're going to run it and our table is created. Now, what that did is to create the iceberg metadata that prepares a table for insertions of records. We have now created an iceberg table. Now, because this is just a create, what iceberg did is to create metadata out there on our data lake that contains a description of the columns in our table. We don't have any data yet, but we have a description of columns and the other metadata set up. So we're ready to start making insertions of data. Let's get to that. Dremio and Apache Iceberg support all the common DML operations that you would expect on a uh, Iceberg table. We can do an insert, we can do an update, we can do a, do a delete, do a merge, all that stuff. And you can see a full description of all of that stuff in the Dremio documentation, which unfortunately I probably don't have time to show today, but you can go to docs.dremio.com and, and, and it's all fully laid out. What we're going to do in order to accelerate our insertion of data into our table is use a copy into command. The copy into command is going to draw data from, notice that I've got an expression here, files, New York City taxi trip CSV. So we're going to take open source data for a data set about New York City taxis, and it's expressed in CSV. And we're going to take a million rows, which is what that CSV file contains, and put it into our iceberg table. Now, what the benefit of that is going to be is that we now have an iceberg table. You know, Dremio, uh, and I made this point before, but just to kind of put a bow on everything, Dremio could query the CSV file. We could simply promote that to a table within Dremio, and we can query the CSV file from Dremio directly. Well, why not do that? The problem with that is that we don't get any cool iceberg features. All we get is a CSV file. So if we wanted to time travel to what the version of the file, uh, the table was yesterday, if we wanted to keep track of branches so that we could experiment with versions of data without necessarily promoting it to main, if we wanted to include a acid-based transactional updates, we don't have any of that cool stuff because it's not an iceberg table. So it makes a lot of sense for us to say, well, you know, CSV, it's fine. I mean, it's limited. It's terribly slow to query because it's a row-oriented thing in which you have to follow the commas in order to get to your column. That, that's going to take forever to query. So we don't want that. We want a bunch of iceberg features. So here we go. We're going to take these million rows and put them into an iceberg table. Uh, this is going to take a minute because we have to read the CSV file. That's slow. Nothing we can do about that. I mean, reading CSV is just slow. But Dremio is taking the million rows from that CSV file and putting it into our iceberg table. Now, while it's doing that, you can see here on the bottom, on the right, there was an output of the time it took 
took about 14 seconds. Not that long, actually. And we took a million rows from our CSV table and put it into our um, iceberg table. Now, if you're a skeptic, which I tend to be, you want proof. And so we have now got a couple of verify operations here. And in these two SQL queries, we're going to count the number of table, the number of uh, rows in our table. And then we're going to do a select and just take a look at this data. So let's do both of those. We're going to highlight both of these uh, verification queries. And the reason why I'm doing this like this both at the same time is to show you a feature of the Dremio UI, which is to take a multiple number of query steps at the same time. We have this script and we could actually just execute the whole script. Boom. And Dremio is going to go through each one of those, and we would have a whole bunch of query results, just like we do these two. Um, we're just doing this uh, a little bit more slowly in order to show you how things work. But here we've done a couple. And in the first query, we did the count, 1 million rows. And in the second query, we did a select star with a limit of two, and we got two rows. So we can see here a little bit about what this table contains. We've got a column called passenger count trip distance, fair amount, trip amount, tip amount, total amount. You know, it kind of looks like data about taxi rides. How many people were in the car? How far did they go? What fare did they pay? Yeah, stuff like that. Now, if you've never seen Dremio before, you may notice that each one of these columns has got this three dot additional thing here on the right, which is actually a menu bar, which if you click, you're given a whole bunch of options for how you can curate this data. If you wanted to drop a column or convert the data type, you have a very, very easy graphical mechanism to do that. And you also have a presentation of type right here on the left-hand side of the, of the type. You know, uh, I was just recently doing something in Postgres and you, know, you, can, you can do PG type of, and uh, this is so much more convenient because here you see a graphical representation of all your types right on the screen. And if you want to convert, you go to convert data type and you convert to sets. Very, very easy and intuitive to use. Okay, we have our table. So we're moving along very briskly. What we want to do now is create a branch. Remember I said earlier that a branch is just a pointer. So we have one version of our table, we've created a million rows, and we're going to create a pointer to that version of the table. That's all we're gonna do. And that means we're not gonna copy this table. We're not going to, um, we're, we're not gonna uh, create a whole bunch more storage for, the, for, for some massive uh, selection of stuff that we want to, uh, make selectively available we're we're going to we're going to create a very very small pointer here which is done in almost no time we're going to call our branch nycb1 now the branch that we've been using all the way up to this time has intuitively been called main <laughs> every catalog has a main branch that's by default so whenever you create a table it's on main which makes sense you know that's the main version of your data that all your production users are using. Now you may intuitively right away ask, how do I know what version of data I'm operating on or what version I'm looking at it here on the screen? And there's a couple of different ways to do that. Notice that over here on the right, we have something called the context. And the context is showing us that we're in a catalog called workshop and we're on a branch called main. Very, very nice. 
Now, when we went to the dataset viewer, you may also notice that if I go to any of my folders or views and I go here to any of my tables, I will be able to see the data. And if I go here to the SQL runner, I'll be able to open this up and I'll be able to see the main uh, designation here for the version that I'm on uh, by default. So I'll be able to see this and then I'll be able to see the main branch right here on my catalog. So Dremio does a lot in order to make sure that you understand what version of the data you're operating on at this point. And then you can see additional data by hovering on it that came up just a second ago so that you can see which branch is currently being operated on. Now I'm going to go back to my script and I'm going to go to November because we just created a branch, B1, NYC B1. And the point of creating a branch is that we have found that there's an error in our data. We're going to show you the error because we're going to do a select star on my data set to show you that there is a row that has a passenger count of seven people in the car, which, I mean, uh, you know, there's obviously an error, but cabs can't hold seven people, <laughs> or at least the scenario here is that you, you couldn't cram seven people in the car. Maybe, maybe you know, I, they, it would be uncomfortable and in fact, unlawful. So we suspect that this passenger account of seven is erroneous. Maybe we've been told outright it's erroneous. Maybe you are scrubbing your data and, you know, in the process of cleaning data, you always go through a certain series of QA steps in order to see what the data looks like. You may do some uh, histogram distribution or whatever like that in order to see if the, we've determined that this is an error. So we're going to uh, run this query just to show you that there's one record where the passenger count is seven. We're uh, taking on a scenario here where that's an error. And so we are going to make an update here. And what we're gonna do is do an update on that row and turn the passenger count down to six. Very similar, very simple SQL. Update the table, set the passenger count to six where it's seven. Now, the interesting thing about this query is that it's going to do that on the branch that we created B1. We're doing it on the branch because we want to verify the change, and we're not ready to expose our change to everybody who's using production code. And so let's suppose that um, we had a daily update, and let's suppose that we took in a whole bunch of new rows from last night's data processing, and we have to do other cleanliness activities on the data. And then after we're done with that, then we're going to do a merge in order to make all the data available. That's a real life scenario that people do with Dremio all the time. And you use branches in order to isolate that daily ETL sort of activity so that people aren't exposed to it until it all happens atomically in the merge of the branch when you're ready to expose that data. Seems great. So let's do a run here. I'm just going to show you that, um, first of all, we're going to do an update of the table. That's going to create a new data snapshot. So we're going to have a new version of our table, but it's going to be on the branch as opposed to on main. Looks like that has been done. We're going to verify that the branch has changed. So now we're going to do a select on the branch. Notice that we have the semantics in our query from table at branch B1, which is the branch I created just a couple of minutes ago. So we're creating a query on the branch in order to see whether or not we have successfully changed. And this query of a passenger count of seven doesn't come up. So our row that was a passenger count of seven has been changed 
to a passenger count of six on the branch. This doesn't come up. Now, again, you might be a skeptic. So let's just verify because here I'm going to do the exact same query, but I'm going to do it, notice, on main. This is the production code that we intentionally did not want to tamper with at the moment. And so we're going to do another run here. And I'm uh, ready to say, sure enough, it's still there. That's exactly what we wanted. We didn't want production data changed just yet. We only wanted the branch changed. Now, in a real-life scenario, we would have potentially done many data cleanup activities, or we would have gone through many experimental steps on what's on branch before we're ready to make a decision to merge. And in fact, you're not obligated to merge. You only merge if you're satisfied with what's taken place on the branch. You may choose, oh, you know what? I completed my experiment. I don't want this change. That's what I can clearly see. That's great. You were able to find out some very, very important information without tampering with production code or making a big copy. In this case, we do want to change. So we're gonna go here to the next step where we're gonna merge our B1 branch to main. That's gonna take all the changes from our branch, merge it to main in an atomic step. All the tables and all the changes that are on branch B1 are gonna be merged to main in an atomic operation. There's not going to ever be a point in which people are running queries and they see some of this and some of that, or we were kind of making some changes and so we got some of this stuff and then, you know, some of that stuff. No, they're all atomically made changes in the merge of the branch. It's a little difficult to see here because I only made one change on one table on one branch, but you can read more about Project Nessie and the great way it achieves multi-table atomic transactions. In this case, we've merged the branch and we're ready to verify that our merge is now on main. So we're gonna do what we did a second ago and um, verify that on main, the merge has taken place. And in fact, the passenger count of seven is gone. Pretty great. We've been able to go through a small, but real live exercise of how this can work. Now with the time we have remaining, I wanna talk a little bit about reflections which are a very important and a very unique Dremio feature that provides dramatic query acceleration. And what we're gonna do first of all is to create a reflection. Dremio makes two kinds of reflections. The first are called raw and the second are called aggregate. A raw reflection is simply all of the, all of the rows of the table in row level detail. And so you would use a raw reflection if you want to reflect a join or in any other situation where you, let's say you have a union all or a join or, um, well, you could have a window. Anything where you want to keep row level detail in your data set. In this case, we are actually going to create something called an aggregate reflection, which is the other kind of Dremio reflection, which is appropriate for aggregations. And what we're going to do in our reflection is keep track of a certain number of dimensions and measures that we indicate in our definition of the aggregate reflection. And then Dremio is going to be able to apply that to a wide variety of group by queries in the future. So in this case, we're gonna create an aggregate reflection. You can see here the dimension that I've chosen and the measures that I've chosen. So that, uh, you know, we're only gonna query one of these, but I could, now, I, I could now create a query on any of these and they would all match on this aggregating reflection. 
let's go ahead and run this. And it will take just a minute for this reflection to build. Dremio has to perform all these aggregations and store it into an optimized parquet representation of the data. Now we'll be able to see that because for just a second, let's shift gears here. I'm actually gonna to go to the other Dremio tab and we'll go here to the gear. And you were mentioned, you may remember at the top, I was talking about how you can see reflections from the settings. Then we're gonna to go to reflections and we're gonna see here that we're building a reflection. That little swirly thing there means that we're computing the aggregations right now. We're creating the aggregate reflection. I had a reflection that I created earlier before the seminar started, and it's called taxi test reflection. It's actually uh, almost identical, but uh, you know, for this purpose, I wanted to show you how it worked. And so we've now created, and we have finished creating our taxi reflections. So all those aggregations have been pre-computed. From now on, any group I query that uses any of those aggregations is going to match on the reflection, and we're not going to we're not going to recompute all that stuff. We're going to simply pull it out of the aggregating reflection that we've already computed. So you can imagine, things are going to be a lot faster. And in fact, let's go back now that we've got this reflection and go to the next step here because we're going to create a view and then we're going to query using our reflection. We're going to create a view first of all. I mentioned earlier that a view is simply a SQL statement that uh, performs some, some amount of data cleanup, some amount of business logic, some amount of aggregation, but it saves it in a view so that you don't have to re-express all that stuff later. And you can use it in a semantic layer fashion to create complicated queries from building blocks that you have saved. Each building block being a view can make the whole thing so much more maintainable. You know, you could sort of think of it as uh, you can have a CTE, but CTEs even can get very complicated. Here you have separate views, and the beauty of each separate view is you control the exact amount of data visibility that you provide in that view. You can mask out columns, you can mask out rows. And then you control which of your users have access to this view because Dremio provides something called role-based access control. So you can control exactly which users see the table. There may be some users who shouldn't see all the data in some tables. That's all up to you to control. And so you have a tremendous amount of capability here. Let's hit run on this. So we're going to create a view. And just to show you that, I'm going to go over to my other tab. And let's go back to my data view here, because this is the folder that we've been building up. My folder, I'm going to go in there and say, there's the table we created. That's the iceberg table. Here is the view we just created, which is our iceberg view. The iceberg table and the iceberg view are both fully compliant iceberg data sets. So if we go back here to our first tab, now that we've created the view, let's do a select from the view. I mean, it's a SQL statement, but it can be queried just like a table. And in order to show you that, I'm going to do a select star from the view, and I'm going to see all the data that's coming up. And what, when I do a select star in the view, it turns around and performs the logic in the view, which could have been any amount of SQL stuff. I mean, it could be any union, any join, whatever you've got in there, window function. And, and, and here it is. I don't have to retype all that stuff. And if that view calls another view and another view and another view, then I have been able to easily perform a tremendous amount of work. Now, the last step is that we are going to perform a query, and this is going to utilize the reflection that we chose earlier. 
we're going to do a date part and then we're going to sum. Notice that we've got an aggregation there. We've got a group by. So we're going to run this query. And it's going to happen pretty fast. <laughs> uh, one second. I mean, uh, that's that's pretty fast. And so let's go over to uh, our job page here in the other tab. And what we should be able to see is this little lightning bolt. And uh, that's Dremio's symbol for an accelerated query that didn't use the original data, it used a reflection. We can also see that in something called the query profile. So let's click here on the job ID. And when we do that, we see a whole bunch of additional detail about this query. We see the SQL that was written in the query. We see how the runtime of the query was distributed, what the data set was. And in fact, this data set was accelerated by a reflection. We can see that reflection actually right here, taxi reflection. And um, we could actually quick click on it or, or examine the reflection. We've got a whole bunch of information about how much time it took to plan the query. Metadata retrieval took almost nothing. You know, all, all this stuff added up to like one second because the reflection did all the work for us in advance. Let's go back to our first tab here because there's just one more thing I want to show you. You may have noticed when we were looking at data sets before that Dremio supports a wiki. And I can show you that in case it went by before. Let's go to the test folder. When I open up the test folder, there's some writing over here on the far right-hand side where you can provide information to your users about the content of a folder, the content of a data set. You can describe, if you desire, each column and what they provide for the benefit of users who need to understand, well, what is this column? Or what are the semantics of this table? This is a little example that I've provided here. And what we're going to do is go back to my folder, which is what we've created before. And there's a couple of different ways we can get to the wiki, but you'll notice here that I've got a, a table. And I'm going to go to the detail panel on my table. And I get information from Dremio about the um, number of columns and their types. The types, again, are these little graphic uh, representations on the left-hand side of the column name. We have the opportunity to add labels and a wiki. Now, I want to point out something that's very, very interesting about this, because Dremio recently added support for um, uh, AI-based automatic representation of queries and uh, other features. So uh, one of the things that you can do when you get your Dremio uh, test drive instance is to express queries in normal language and watch that they'll be converted into SQL, which is pretty cool to watch. In this case, what I'm going to do is I'm going to click on this little uh, flower icon here. And what it's going to do is use intuitive information about the column names in order to generate labels that potentially make sense for this data set. As you can see here, I didn't do a thing. All I did is hit the icon. And it's determined that it would probably make sense to label this with some keywords, such as transportation, finance, or data analysis. Um, I'm not sure about finance. And I guess data analysis, although that doesn't really say much. But this is a transportation-oriented data set for sure. This is NYC taxis. And so I like that label. Let's keep that. And let's save it here. This is going to make it easy in order to identify data sets in this category in the future. And if I want other labels here, you can see I've got a pencil icon. I can add other labels. Now, the same thing is true for the wiki. 
I can actually get AI-generated wiki content, which isn't bad in a lot of cases. In this case, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit the edit button and I'm going to go over to my script because I have some AI con I have some some wiki content that I want to add. So if I go here to my script and I open up my script again, I've I've got some stuff here. So I'm going to go down here to the end of my script. I'm going to say here's my wiki content. Uh, notice that uh, you know this is the kind of stuff you would expect to see. Here are the columns of my data set. Here's how they should be used. Here's an example query. So I'm going to copy this stuff and I'm going to go over here to my other window and I'm going to paste it in. Mm, it looks pretty good. I'm giving a contact name to my users for where they can go with questions. All right, seems, seems quite nice. Let's save this. And then it's going to show up here in the wiki that my users can use whenever they're utilizing my data. So makes it really, really easy to have an institutional memory about your data sets and how they should be used. Let's go back to the slides because we're about ready to wrap up for today. And I want to just recap briefly what we've covered. We created an iceberg table. It literally took us about a minute to do that. We used a conventional create table command, which you've undoubtedly seen in many other contexts. And that's the beauty of it. It's semantically very similar to things you've already done. We updated data directly in the data lake house. We did a copy into, and then we did a merge. We did an update command. And so you can operate directly on data lake data that's in an S3 bucket in your organization. We accelerated queries with a uh, Dremio technique called an acceler a, a, a reflection, which is uh, like materialized view. And, and we did it fairly effortlessly. I mean, we identified the measures and dimensions associated with an aggregating reflection, give Dremio a minute to compute all those aggregations, and then they're available for any query that comes along. And it's gonna be dramatically faster than having to recompute those aggregations every time the query appears. I would love to take any questions that you have, or maybe Vanessa has been answering questions as we go along. Vanessa, is there anything uh, that we want to cover as far as questions at this point? Um, not anything specific, Mark. Uh, I think all the questions uh, have been asked, but if anybody wants to ask questions, please feel free to ask these questions on the Q&A window. But I think all, all the questions have been answered so far. Very nice. Well, again, I want to thank you for spending some time with us today. We really appreciate it. At the end of the seminar, you're going to be given a survey, and the survey will provide an email address that you can use in order to reach us in the future. That email address, hello at dremio.com, is where you can send us any feedback, not only about this seminar, but about any questions of Dremio in general. So when you get your test drive environment, if you're having an issue with it or you don't understand exactly how something works, I encourage you to drop us a line. We'd love to help. Hey, Mark, there is a question from Naveen asking to show the snapshots, manifest files in S3. Um, do, are you, can, do you have the S3 view of the iceberg table that you created? I don't have that set up. And so okay. what I suggest is that if you send a note to hello at dremio.com, that's the kind of thing that we can do offline, and we'd love to show you that kind of stuff. So, uh, so what does Dremio Sonar do? Um, basically, uh, uh, 
uh, there's a question on the chat. So Dremio Sonar uh, is the compute layer. And basically we're, you know, Dremio Cloud has uh, two components called Sonar uh, and Arctic. And Sonar is the compute layer and Arctic is the uh, SE layer. Uh, but to keep it simple, you know, uh, you know, Dremio Cloud is, uh, you know, the whole platform name. And uh, there's a question, does the reflection need to be refreshed? Can it be set up to automatically refresh? Yes, reflections, uh, reflections can be automatically refreshed. They can be refreshed on demand. They can be refreshed with the REST API. So all that's possible. Yeah, I think we, that's all the questions. What is the email? Uh, that is, uh, did you mention some email? Uh... I did, Vinesh. I mentioned that in the survey that you receive at the end of the seminar, it'll give you an email address, hello, at dremio.com. And okay. if you have any questions after this seminar, I would love it if you drop a note into hello at dremio.com. And we will get back to you just as soon as we can. We'd, we'd love to talk further. There's another question. Uh, could we get to see the metadata data files partitioning? What created the background when iceberg tables are created? Uh, I guess it's similar to the uh, seeing the snapshots manifest files in S3. Um, unfortunately, that window isn't set up. Uh, so we unable to see the S3 view, but Every iceberg create a table that is created has a metadata file, a manifest list, manifest file, and the data files uh, in the S3 directory. Uh, these all those partitioning information, schema information will all be you know in these files. Uh, so these would be found easily on the S3. So if you go to Dremio when you use your uh, you know, credits that uh, will be given you and you, uh, when you create an iceberg table, you would easily find these files in your S3 directory. So that's the beauty of iceberg. The metadata information is very close to the data. So you, you can easily do that. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have that set up on the screen, so it is uh, challenging to show it, but you know, you can please feel free to use your credits and, and create those iceberg tables. Uh, Arctic versus Nessie catalog, what is the difference? Um, well, Arctic is completely, um, so Nessie is an open source project given to every everybody uh, in the world. Arctic is um, uh, Dremio managed Nessie in the cloud. So Dremio cloud, when you use Dremio cloud, you automatically get Nessie in it, and that is called Arctic, and this completely Dremio managed. So all the jobs like, you know, um, you know, all those optimization jobs, everything Dremio has automation in it. In the case of Nessie, you know, you would have to manage it yourself. So, so that's, that's basically the difference. Dremio managed versus self-managed. Um, how can we organize the iceberg data model? Consider a case where we are creating a lake house. Yeah. The, the iceberg data model is a schema on read model. So when you say a schema on read model, basically what you're doing is you, you use like something like a DBT or a Spark or, or even Dremio to whatever engine you use, you can, um, you know, you can 
use a schema on on you, you in Dremio's case you do a create table and and you insert into that if you use a spark you would also do that you can flexibly uh, you know add partitions partition evolutions and all that because the metadata is very very close to the iceberg table i think that's a larger discussion happy to uh, you know if you are interested we can have uh, a deeper discussion uh, but um, you know uh, um, so the uh, there's a lot of uh, modeling that discussion uh, questions that that's coming in i think i think that's probably something we'll have to take offline uh, we use Delta Lake. What benefits do we get if we need to convert to Iceberg? Um, so Dremio also supports Delta Lake, uh, primarily from a read perspective. When you convert to Iceberg, you get a lakehouse benefit with Dremio. You have the insert, update, and delete benefits. Um, that's that's what you primarily get. Uh, so yeah, um, I think that's about it. That, that was the last set of questions. So the modeling questions have a little more, you know, we'll probably have to get into more, you know, into a, a session for that. Uh, maybe not something that we can discuss here. Uh, what is the Simlink table impact? That is probably something that I'll have to, you'll have to take offline. Um, so what is the, also, I, because I don't know the answer at the top of my head. Also, if there is any session on deployment CI/CD on the iceberg components, that would be great. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, I guess. Uh... Many, many good questions there. And especially that CI/CD question is something that we'd love to talk to you about more offline. Usually, um, CI/CD integration will vary a little bit depending on your CI/CD product and uh, how you've configured it. But Dremio provides a service through its professional services organization to integrate into CICD in whatever method you choose. And so we'd love to talk more about how your specific requirements are shaping up in your organization and how you'd like that to look. I, I might need a little more clarification. What does Simlink table impact? Uh, is that a clar can Can you clarify that uh, question a little more, Raveen? Is that possible? Delta Lake uses Simlink. Okay. Okay, so I'm not sure what symlink is in Delta Lake, so I, I do not know. Is there anything more that you can add? So we have something called a metadata. Uh, we have a catalog which has the metadata pointer. The pointer is the utmost is the top root of the uh, of the tree. So the, the that exists in a catalog. And the metadata pointer will point to the metadata file. And, and then there is something called as a, under the metadata file, there is manifest list, which is a list of manifest files. And under the manifest files is a list of data files. So Iceberg follows an architecture like that. I'm not sure much about Delta Lake's architecture. I'm sorry about that. With glue, okay. So probably something that we'll have to take offline uh, because I'm not really getting the question that clearly. For every branch created in Iceberg, does it replicate the data? No, no, that's the beauty of it. Just like in GitHub, okay, once one also once merged, does it clean up the old branches? Uh, you, uh, so so the 
the branch, the beauty of branch is just like data as code. Code. So in GitHub, when you, you know, it's it's basically it doesn't create. Uh, the beauty of a branch is when you create another branch, it doesn't clone the clone the whole data. It's metadata. So it's a uh, when you create a branch, it's a purely metadata layer. And there is pointers to the other the main branch from which you used the brain branch which you used as source, and then when you start inserting records into it, there is a copy on write feature that kicks in and create those, uh, you know, files in the branch that you created in the new branch, and then when you merge the branch, yes, the data gets merged. But that other branch will still remain, and you can drop the branch. Uh, you know, you can issue a drop command to drop the branch. That's um, actually one of the beautiful things about a branch is that if you want to keep it for uh, historical records in the uh, for for historical record purposes of who did what on the branch and how did we get to the point where data was merged, you have all that data in your data lake. Vinesh, we might have time for one more question, but we're rapidly approaching the top of the hour. Yeah, I think, um, so there is a request for a session on deployment CICD on the iceberg components. Um, is there any other need to understand the iceberg model? Yeah, modeling is something probably a little more advanced that we'll have to, you know, I would suggest, uh, you know, a, a follow-up session with a solution architect or something like that to get to that. So. Is there any other question left? I'm just going to migrate from Delta Lake to Iceberg would help as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if in Dremio, we only have read capabilities for Delta Lake. We can do time travel on Delta Lake, uh, but uh, uh, but we cannot do writes because uh, the write, because, uh, you know, uh, the uh, write portion, uh, we need to know. I mean, it, there are certain things in Delta Lake that's not open yet. Whereas from an iceberg, because it's purely open, Dremio is able to use, uh, give you all the lake house features that you can on iceberg. However, with Delta Lake, you will get time travel and all that. Nessie is only with iceberg. Yes, so Arctic and all that is only with iceberg. Uh, right. Okay, I guess that's that's it. Uh, well, Vanessa, our time is almost completely up. Yep. I'm thrilled by all these questions, and I hope we get the opportunity to talk again if you have questions that we did not get a chance to cover today. So again, you will get a survey. Please take the opportunity to give us feedback on the email address hello at dremio.com or let us know of additional questions. We'd love to talk further. Until then, it's been great being with you. Thank you for this time, and we'll see you next time.